This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi there, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast is all about self-care, what it is, how to make it part of your life, and today especially, how to make self-care more than a buzzword. Today I'm talking with Michaela Lacey, a community-based yoga teacher, mental health therapist, and wellness educator based in Los Angeles. Michaela is founder of The Well, a culturally responsive resource founded to provide trauma-informed, holistic health services for communities and individuals experiencing marginalization and oppression. And she wrote a great essay about rethinking self-care for Radiant Health magazine that I read and loved and wanted to be able to talk to her about. I am so happy to have you here, Michaela. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. So you're a yoga teacher and a therapist, and you run a community wellness center. Clearly, taking good care of yourself matters to you. And I just, I'm curious, what's your story of how you came to be doing this work? Yeah, really good question. The short of the long (laughs) is that I really became the resource I feel like I needed. What I do is really because of who I am. I identify as a Black and queer woman, have for a very long time, and uh, growing up, I experienced a lot of love and beauty, also though a lot of uh, violence and difficult things related to anti-Black racism, homophobia and heterosexism, things like that, right, Mm -hmm. that really impacted my mental health in significant ways. It took a while for my family to recognize that we needed extra resources and support, and uh, which is one thing, right? Because I myself and my family didn't have the language and understanding. My community didn't have an understanding of what was going on with me emotionally, mentally. Mm -hmm. And when uh, we realized we needed the support, we quickly found that the resource that I need which would be an accessible, so an affordable in my area, uh, Black clinician wasn't available. Mm. And uh, the Black clinician piece is really important because my experience and the things that I needed to process were so deeply racialized. This wasn't available at the time. So we made it through. And one of the first practices that really helped me to begin to heal and process some of those things was yoga. Uh, Yoga was one of the first healing practices that really led me back into my body. From there, I was already interested in uh, psychology, mental health, and how people work. So therapy kind of came naturally 
in that I personally wanted the people who came behind me to have more options than what I had available. I had always been recognized as a safe space in my community, and I decided to just take that to a professional level. Long story short, yoga psychotherapy, working with queer and trans, Black, Indigenous, and people of color through my business, The Well Healing, was born. That's the short version. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that maybe I'll get to read the long version someday (laughs) or hear it from from your mouth. But um, I I became the resource that I needed. Now, that is a meme waiting to happen. That that is, um, that's really profound. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. So as a yoga teacher and a therapist, you teach people how to practice self-care. And I'm guessing you spend a fair amount of time reminding them to do it. Yet in your piece for Radiant Health, how I found you, you confessed that the phrase self-care is starting to get you to roll your eyes a little bit too. So what, mm-hmm. what is it about the notion of self-care <laughs> that's starting to smell, you know, a little off to you? <laughs> yes. So people are surprised to hear me say that, to read those words for me. And what I'm really speaking about is the commercialization of care and wellness. This has benefits and risks, so I'm not upset that we're having more conversations about self-care in the mainstream. Like I said, though, there are benefits and risks. And one of the risks that I'm seeing, right, is this idea, and I see it especially like as a therapist working with my clients, that we get shown most often a kind of snapshot idea of wellness. So snapshot, I'm thinking of even just like social media in general, Mm -hmm. right? And self-care is marketed really as kind of like a periodic practice or a crisis intervention instead of, to me, uh, uh, what I imagine as care and wellness, uh, a consistent attunement to your human experience, right? So something that is What we're often shown about care is that it's reactionary, right? It's after you being exhausted or burnt out, that it's a very individual practice. Mm -hmm. And if it's being marketed, right, then it's often also about you having to acquire something. Mm -hmm. You have to buy something or there's some specific goal, right, that you're trying to achieve instead of wellness being something that is dynamic and a constantly evolving journey right along with us. So when I say I'm kind of sick of the self-care, that's really what I'm leaning into is that commercial, very individual version of it that we're getting marketed. Right. It's become kind of commodified and it's about your your bath bomb and your, your fluffy robe or what have you. I hear you. Right. Yeah. Which we love and that's not the fullness, right, of what care and in-depth wellness looks like. For sure. If you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> some nice trappings can be motivating. <laughs> can, right. Can, but the, it, it's deeper than that. And so, so speaking of that, like, what does self-care mean to you? you? You alluded to it a little bit in your answer, but can yeah. you expound a little bit more on that? And, and also what it doesn't mean? Yeah. Self-care to me, care to me really 
is compassionate way of being. And I start to go into this a little bit in the Radiant Health article. And what I mean by a compassionate way of being is really that care is an intentional response, right? Instead of a reactionary, mm. just accident that happens after we end up being tired. Uh, a compassionate way of being includes the collective, right, in our individual care. Mm -hmm. And there's no end goal and there's nothing that we need to buy. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me, care is awareness in that our care begins with the noticing, the compassionate underline acknowledgement of our needs, right? Mm -hmm. Care is an action, which is what we get shown most often and we're most familiar with. And it is really important that we ground an intention with an actual practice that comes along with it, right? Mm -hmm. And care is an attitude, an approach to our lives. So again, moving from just the, oh, now that I'm tired I need to go practice self-care, right? But it's something that I think we are able to do and access all the time. And I would also say that care is authentic. Again, in that what I see happen with a lot of my clients, right, is they're feeling like I'm bad at self-care. Oh, I need to do this better, right? Mm -hmm. And adding care as a to-do list to our already really long days, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I would say that actually care is dynamic and we make it fit into our lives, right? Into the structure of how we show up versus something that is an added on piece to the day, right? Mm -hmm. So care can look like the ways that you um, talk and think about yourself as you're brushing your teeth in the morning or washing your face. Mm -hmm. It can be the um, journaling walks outside. And care is also the sometimes deeply uncomfortable work of uh, accepting accountability or needing to ask for help, right? Mm -hmm. So in short, care is more than just that in the moment practice. But I think if we begin to really open it up instead as a compassionate way of being, of approaching ourselves, approaching the people around us, that that opens up a little bit of what care can look like in our lives and also takes away this bit of something that we can fail at, <laughs> which does not help <laughs> for us to want to show up for ourselves. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of what how I think about care. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. Sharing from my own experience, you know, as a mom, mm -hmm. I hear the advice that I've got to put my own oxygen mask on first. You know, I hear that all the time. And I believe it to be true. You know, I get it. I can't take mm -hmm. care of anybody else if I am running on fumes type of a thing. Right, right. But at the same time, you know, in our current society, moms are the ones who are doing so much of the heavy lifting in, on so many things. Like, mm, yes. you know, managing the household, being the primary caregiver. Now we're navigating distance learning and we're like therapists for our kids because our mm -hmm. kids are going through mm -hmm. this pandemic on their own <laughs> journey. And that's in addition to our work in the world. So sometimes I hear, do your self-care. And it sounds to me like 
you know, fix yourself up, put a Band-Aid on your own wound so that you can go get back to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I, I'd just love to hear your thoughts on striking a balance between self-care and promoting collective care. Because maybe if we had better collective care, we wouldn't have mm -hmm. such dire need for self-care. And it's a balance for sure. But yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, firstly, acknowledging that you're absolutely right. The other piece around care and wellness is that the context this is happening in is within a larger structure that isn't necessarily intended on supporting our individual well-being, right? Mm -hmm. And that makes the practice of showing up for ourselves a challenge. So it's not hard for no reason or because we as individuals are, again, failing at something, right? And especially like shout out to all the mothers, guardians, caregivers out here. I don't know how y'all are doing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so one of my first thoughts always around this is that our self-care is collective care mm -hmm. because we need you, right? Your family needs you, right? And the love and the support that we want to give to the people in our lives who matter most, we won't have that. They won't have that, right? If we're not here physically or if we're just exhausted and have nothing left to give, right? So actually, making sure that we are in a place that we are attuning to our own needs only allows us to then show up in fullness, right? For the people around us, we give folks around us permission to do the same. And we cannot pour from an empty cup, right? So how do we approach this in a real kind of practical way, right? Mm -hmm. I ask folks to take some time and identify what are my greatest stressors, my challenges, like where are they coming from? You know, is it that I don't have enough time here? Do I have too much of this person in my life? Like what is, what is going on, right? Mm -hmm. And how is it impacting me? So not only what is happening, where does it show up? Is it showing up in the ways that I'm thinking about myself? Is it showing up as uh, tension and pain in my body? Is it showing up in, in my mood and how I'm feeling? Okay, so now we have, right, again, that awareness of what my needs are, what do I need to show up and address. Now thinking about, right, where can I decrease my discomfort? So what things are in my control, right? Uh, do I need to reach out for material support, right? Do I need to ask for help? Do I need to set a boundary with someone? or figuring out what are some of my options here of how I can take away some of the things that are negatively impacting me. And also where are the ways that I can increase my pleasure, right? Where are some of the, what are some of the things in my control where I can add something that is exciting or uh, uh, just pleasurable in my day. And I like that word because that really is whatever whatever that looks like for you. That could, for someone, be 
uh, a piece of chocolate during your day for someone increasing your pleasure can be right a whole afternoon just to yourself finding out where are those spaces for me because again we cannot pour from an empty cup so recognizing what is draining me how can i pour back into myself and then giving from your overflow that makes you and everyone around you in a better position right so it's a difficult it can be a difficult process and to make those small changes and like i said your care is dynamic there is no rush or way to fail, but it's just taking a real intentional look at our day-to-day -day and figuring out, remembering really, right, what things here are in my control and how can I show up for myself differently so that I can show up for others if I choose. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I do. And I do love the idea of not just reduce the stressors, but Increase the joy and the pleasure, you know, yes. pleasure is a word that definitely got my ears to perk up. So yeah. I think there's some good energy there and <laughs> you've given me some yeah. ideas for future podcast episodes. So <laughs> yes, yes, as well as, as well as my own life. So thank you. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you, Michaela, for bringing all this important work and ideas and support to the people who need it. And for folks who'd like to connect with you, where can they find you? Yes. So you can find all the info on me that you would like to know at uh, thewellhealing.com. And if you want to connect with me, The Well, on Instagram, we are at thewellhealing on Instagram. And if you want to connect with me, Personally, I'm on Instagram as at bend, B-E-N-D, it like Lacey, L-A-C-Y. So I look forward to connecting with folks. Feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Hi, it's Kate here with your tiny assignment. Man, there was so much to love in what Michaela was sharing with us, especially her reframe of thinking of self-care in terms of just being compassionate for yourself and for others. So that's your assignment for today. Instead of thinking like, what's on my self-care to-do list, think about how can I be compassionate with myself? I hope that you will come back tomorrow because I'm going to be giving you a little bit of a pep talk for doing the things that aren't particularly fun or luxurious or compelling that still are important forms of self-care. We all need a pep talk from time to time on doing these things. So yours is coming tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 